Hey there, Meyer Science friends and followers. I'm Michael Boss, and I have the privilege of being the creator and host of Tales of the Magic Skagit, a podcast series celebrating the people, places, and things that make the Skagit Valley magic, sponsored by Meyer Sign. Thanks for giving us a listen. And now, on to the program. All right, well, friends and followers of Tales of the Magic Skagit and Meyer Sign, I'm coming to you from the Museum of Northwest Art, and I am here today with Stefano Catalani. And uh, Stefano, what is your title here? I'm the executive director. The executive director. And now, I think of you as the new executive director, but actually, how new are you? I've been here since January 1st. January 1st. Okay, so you are. So it, it, it has been. How's it been going? It's great. Great? Yes. <laughs> oh, it's really great. Well, the reason I wanted to do this interview, folks, is for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, it's the tail end of the Tulip Festival. There's a lot to see and do besides look at flowers here in the Skagit Valley, and I highly recommend a visit to Laconer, just because it's Laconer, but also because... Uh, you're just going to see a fantastic exhibit here at the Museum of Northwest Art. And uh, so I wanted to find out a little bit more about the exhibit, more about Stefano's uh, uh, history and um, what's going on with uh, the museum. So Stefano, I'll start off with standard question I love to ask everybody. Where are you from? I'm originally from Italy. Whereabouts? Uh, a small town called Genazzano, just outside of Rome, about 40 kilometers east of Rome in the Apennines. Mm. Um, very quaint, uh, beautiful, medieval town. Uh, grew around a castle on a ridge. The houses attached to the, right. to the, to the uh. castle like barnacles. Um, I've been in the northwest um, since 2001. So I moved here in 2001, and since then, the... The Northwest and has been home. Ah, uh, well, what, what brought? Because you know, as you were describing where it was that you lived, I'm I'm thinking back to years ago. My wife's and my travels uh, in Italy, and I'm thinking of these towns, and I just fell in love with them. Had I lived there, I don't know if you could have ever gotten me out. What, <laughs> what brought you to uh, the Pacific Northwest? I came for a personal relationship. For a All relationship, right. and. Um, and was a life-changing experience and clearly it was because after 21 years i'm still here oh my goodness I, it's been that long mm-hmm. ago oh so my. i've not you know once i moved to seattle and uh, i just fell in love with the with the culture and the food yeah. and yeah. traditions and yeah the na- the natural you know features of the state and uh, it's just it's just an incredible place to um uh, to be. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm a child of the West. I, I was born and raised in San Francisco. And uh, I've loved traveling other places, but there's never any other place I've really wanted to live long term uh, that was uh, east of the Rocky Mountains at any rate. Um, so that was 21, 22, how many years ago? Um, well, I came just after September 11. Just after September yes. 11. Okay. Gosh. What a what an incredible time to be coming here too. Um, tell me about your 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 your, your background, particularly uh, in the arts. 
Well, I, <clears throat> I mean, I already started curating exhibitions when I was in, in Italy. I had established relationships with the, um, uh, things sometimes happen organically and fluidly and, yeah. and the one thing, you know, takes you to another thing. But I had established relationships as a curator with the Royal Dutch Embassy in Rome. I remember that. And oh then my. working with a gallery in Rome, I was able to uh, curate a couple of exhibitions um, in Malta, which at the time was uh, not part of, of the European Union. Malta is this yeah. republic in the Mediterranean Sea, three islands. Um, <laughs> And um, ultimately, actually, ended up working um, as a guest curator for the National Museum of Fine Arts in Malta, and um, that was actually an incredible opportunity, an incredible moment for me, especially because the museum had quite of a collection inspired by Caravaggio and his followers. Mm, and, my gosh! Uh, and then, in the middle of my tenure as a guest curator at the uh, National Museum of Fine Arts, I moved to Seattle. <laughs> so, um, and then when I was in Seattle, I um, immediately engaged with the artistic community, gallery artists. Right. Um, I applied for uh, a, uh, at that time, uh, there was a Bumbershoot, which I know this year they're trying to bring back. Oh, yeah. This huge yeah. festival of right. music and right. performance and, and, and art and, um, at the Seattle Center. And there were rooms, the Northwest rooms, which I think have been demolished since then. There were basically a large exhibition space. There okay. were five of them. Each one of them, I think, named after one of the San Juan Islands. All right. I applied for, um, in 2002, for the 2003 edition of the arts program at Bumbershoot mm -hmm. uh, with a show that was called The Last Judgment Project. And I actually got the larger space, that mm. was the, the Orcas Room. Nice. Um, it was a 10,000 square feet space. Wow. And so I created this international exhibition that wow. was sort of like an, an investigation into uh, justice, judgment, and prejudice. Those were the days that we were talking about um, weapons of mass destruction right, and right. we were calling, we were not eating French fries, if you remember. Exactly. Freedom but fries. Freedom no, fries. we were eating freedom fries. So it was, it was a timely show, maybe a little bit political, but I had great, um, uh, great audiences, great accolades, and uh, ultimately it set my place at the table in Seattle. And then from there, I was able in a couple of years to become curator of the Bellevue Arts Museum. Um, and so I was actually, from 2005 to 2010, I was curator of the Bellevue Arts Museum. And then from 2010, 2016, when I left, I was the director of art, craft and design wow. at the Bellevue Arts Museum. So I spent almost almost 12 years at the Bellevue Arts Museum. Nice. Uh, from there, I went to Gage Academy of Art, which is uh, uh, in Seattle uh, as executive director. I wanted to cut my teeth as executive director, and after five years, when the opportunity uh, came became available here at the Museum of Northwest Art, I decided to take on this this position. So, what made you want to come to uh, and and where are you, uh, where are you living now? I live in Seattle. In Seattle, yes. What what made you want to come to the Skagit Valley and and, and, and do this? What well, was what was your feeling about the place? You know, at the time, as far as uh, you know, the 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 art, the institution, scenes. or the region. Though. Well, let's start with the region. 
Uh, well, I was already acquainted with the region because yeah. I do have a teeny tiny cabin on the Sunman Islands. Ah, very nice. So every every you know, I open the cabin in March and close it in November. Yeah. So starting March through November on the weekends, I'm actually nice. in the Sunman Islands. Oh, that's great. And so I usually actually take I five and exit at Conway and cut yeah. through the Skagit Valley yeah. and then join again Route Twenty okay. to go to Anacortes. Sure, sure. And so and often we. Stopped actually, you know, either in Accordes or Con La Conner or Conway to eat yeah. or just to enjoy the. So I, it was not an area that I didn't know. Sure. Um, and, um, and how then, did it how did it strike you, uh, uh, just as as visually? Um, a sanctuary, a retreat, um, big sky. Yeah. Um, I think the flatness. Um, helps the sky to be more majestic and mm, more present. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, the clouds to be more yes. inspiring. Um, yes. Versus the mountain-bound Seattle or yes. you know, the views yep. that you have yep. Absolutely. the Cascades and the Peninsula. Yeah. Um, and so I think also um, the you know the farmland here has a almost. I don't want to sound trite, but it does have a spiritual dimension. I think is the 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 flat the flatland slows light and time here, mm-hmm. and so it stretches yeah. it. Um, and I think that um, it seems to slow down the pace of life or the pace of things happening. Yeah. So it does bring a different dimension. It is really, it is really. I mean, just as a digression, um, as I drive from Seattle in the morning when I get to Starbird Road, you know, and then you start to descend yes, into the yes, valley, which yes, is called yes. the, the coming home view. Yes. Um, it is it just that that ridge, that pass, that little hump that you do on I-5, it, it, it almost like, it's a, it's almost like a dimensional portal. It yes. It leaves behind a certain... Yes. Uh, style lifestyle and 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 views and perception and opens up a whole new um experience of place and time which is the valley stefano can i just tell you how pleased i am that that i have this on audio oh great (laughs) because that is just you know i'm imagining how many other people hit that same grade and had that same sense of connection and if they did they probably belong here. I'm going to be doing an interview in the near future with uh, um, Tom Robbins. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Tom Robbins' first book uh, was uh, set in the Skagit Valley, another roadside attraction. And there was something that grabbed a hold of him and made him want to set his book uh, in this place. So let's segue in, into the to your role here at uh, the the museum and the museum's role. Yeah, well, the mu- museum of Northwest Start has been always on my radar since I moved to Seattle twenty one years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've known all the previous directors; they've all been colleagues or friends, you know, from uh-huh. Greg Robinson to Tim Dedweiler, um, Christopher Shaning, and Joanna Sykes, and um, and I actually have been in the past uh, a juror for the um, 
the art auction, which this year, oh, really? shameless plug, is June 17th. Yes, well, we definitely um, want to shameless live plug also, that. Live right. and re- hybrid, so live and, 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 and remote. But so um, I've been, I was already introduced to the museum, the space, um, and of course the collection, which yeah. is yeah. Um, what really attracted me. Uh, to join the museum as executive director. See, Bellevue Arts Museum is an amazing institution, but I always felt that I, uh, not having a collection, I was missing something. Uh. Um, and, I mean, of course, you know, I, I, I feel like I had an incredible role with my curatorial staff and my former uh, director, Michael Monroe, to put Bellevue Arts Museum back on the map. Yeah. But but also felt that we were mostly living in the here and now through the fact, but, but the very reason that we didn't have a collection here, yeah. here instead I do have a collection that is rather large that allows me to um, compare notes between current sensibilities, like the shows that we have right now, A Precarious Edge, and past sensibilities. So the, the collection is there as a testament, memento, um, uh, of 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 our past sensibilities, socioeconomic struggles, um, cultural shifts, and right. and so understanding that a museum is not just an attraction or right. a place for right. entertainment, but is actually um, a repository of our history as exactly. a culture or or as a community, exactly. with multifaceted also, you know, with the many different aspects yes. of the Pacific Northwest communities and cultures, then you really start to understand the value of and the opportunity for me to be at the the, the helm of an institution which is a gem, which is yes. the Museum of Northwest Art. Yes. No, I I I I can fully appreciate that. And I think that is a, a, what a wonderful uh, opportunity for you to have at this point in your life too. And I really took advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I um you know, the current show, A Precarious Edge, with works by uh, Steve Klein and Meg Holgate, and a composition by um, Grammy-nominated composer Christophe Chagnard is yes. on the first floor. Yes. And it's an incredible show. It is um, timely, poignant, um, uneasy a little bit, because, of course, it confronts us with the reality. Absolutely, absolutely. The reality of, of, of climate change, or more than the reality, the impact, you know, on the disappearing of glaciers and um, plastic in the ocean or yeah. the forest fires, you know, and um, apparently this year we are preparing for one of the maybe wildest um, uh, forest fires yes. in 1200 years. Yeah. So um, I think the show is not necessarily somber, but is definitely um, uh, a wake-up call. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... I think the show is does a great job in both showing the beauty of nature, capturing the beauty exactly. of the works, exactly. and also showing how thin somehow yes. the eyes that we're walking on is. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, to go back to your earlier um, description of, of a display you had that may have been thought of as controversial or, I, I, or, or confrontational, it, I would much rather, as a human race, that all our confrontations were worked out in art uh, than through the violence that we, uh, we visit on one another. And um, I've never seen art's uh, uh, goal 
as making us feel good, just, you know, making us feel just a greater sense of our own human condition. Um, the other thing, too, I'd, I'd, I'd have to add is if, if you go up to the second floor, you do have that connection with, with uh, the past. And that's what I was yeah. um, hinting at. I think when I, when I, when I realized the, the powerful message and visual message of Apicario's Edge, I felt that um, what an incredible opportunity to go back into the collection exactly. yeah. And, yeah. And, and tap into our collection, permanent collection, to uh, find works of art um, that maybe spend 70 years um, of Northwest art history um, to look at how artists from the past have responded to nature, whether exactly. romanticizing it, mythologizing it, um, but definitely expressing a different sensibility. Yes. And so uh, the show was sort of a response to the call, so supernatural, that's the yeah. name of the show. It, it is a response to, to the call uh, of A Precarious Edge, but in a way also, if the two shows are taken together, shows an evolution of our yes. sensibility yes. through the, the work and the eye of the artists. Yeah, yeah. And it is, a, you know, I, I have to admit that the show was put together in a short amount of time. We, we had a curatorial maintenance project that was ongoing, which was also very relevant and important to do. Um, but I really want to, I wanted to reopen the museum with a full display yes. and all the galleries yes. Yes. fully um, showing art. And so the show was, you know, a little bit put together in a, in a short amount of time, but ultimately I think... Uh, the scale of the museum, which is not really big and, and, and unwieldy, actually worked out really well because I was able to put it together, and I'm really pleased. About oh, I, yeah, I, 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 reason I wanted to do this podcast, um, Stefano, is, well, certainly to introduce you, um, but also to really um, just urge folks to, uh, you know, if you haven't been to the museum, if you haven't been lately, certainly if you haven't caught this exhibit, um, you really need to come out here. Uh, I, I, I really loved it. And my experience of it was, you know, going through that first floor, first of all, just being amazed by the art itself. But the messages through the art, yeah, somber, but certainly as a person who tries to pay attention to current events, nothing new, but the urgency was communicated as well as the beauty of the fragile beauty that's at stake. And then going up to that second floor was a reminder of what it is that we have to protect and the way we've experienced that beauty in the past and realizing that, that, that that's, that's a legacy we can't lose. And we certainly can't uh, squander it for our, our, uh, our, our grandchildren. And um, so it was a very moving uh, experience. Which brings me to, um, how can people support the work that you're uh, doing here at the the work that the museum is doing? Well, um, many ways to support uh, Museum of Northwest Art. Um, first of all, come and visit. The yes, museum, the museum is free uh, to the public, so there's no entry fee. Um, you can choose after you visit the galleries and feel hopefully inspired by the shows to become a member, and there are many different levels of membership. Right now, um, since you asked, 
We are in the middle of a Give Big campaign, which will terminate on May 3rd and 4th, and we have a, a large goal, about $40,000, but we also have a match. Uh, so it would be wonderful if people can go on our website and uh, click um, Donate button and help us meet in the match. And then, of course, every year, which is actually when the museum becomes the place where the whole community gathers, uh, we do have our art auction, which is this year is June 17, is a hybrid form. People will be admitted again in the museum building. Uh, it's from wonderful, five, five wonderful, to seven, yes. And then, or you can join, remotely. or you can join remotely. But the right. idea is we have 250 works of art offered by artists and collectors, and the proceedings of the auction, silent and live, go, go to support the museum, which is really what do they go to support? I can be very honest, is our educational programs, sure. our yeah. outreach programs. We we do engage with the community and the school district so in so many ways. Yes, yes. And my uh, my grand my grandson uh, who's turning ten on Monday uh, was here all the time with his grandmother uh, to uh, to do the art ca classes for kids and just loved it. And we yes, and we uh, you know we support also uh, teachers with art classes that they can download from online but also we you know we have a big collection that as i mentioned is sort of the heart and the core so maintaining a collection is also for future generations yeah um it's also expensive because we are committed to preserving these objects for future generations so it goes also to maintaining the collection and uh also investing in the artist and so through the exhibitions yes. and you know um so that the museum can be a real partner with the community and we're aware also of the the important economic impact that we have in the region because yeah. when there is a flourishing museum then uh, people will move yes. up to Laconer yes. or, you know, or in Accordus or in the Skagit Valley and they bring wealth and and connections and, and, and growth. Yep. And so the museum is a vital part of that. Yeah, it's no, it certainly is. It certainly is and we're, we're just very fortunate to have it here. I'm going to uh, finish up by uh, coming back uh, full circle and uh, asking you the question that, it's, uh, that is at the heart of the theme of this series, which is for you, uh, Stefano uh, Catalani, what puts the magic in uh, the Skagit Valley? For me, is the light. I have been driving up from Seattle um, since January 1st. And I have to tell you, January was an interesting month with the snow and the ice. <laughs> oh, I was like, yeah, what, right. what am I, I doing? Uh, what am I doing? Uh, but, but I've, in only four months, coming now, not just on the weekends to go to the islands, you know, but just coming every day um, and experiencing the different, special, unique quality of the light. Yes. In the morning when I arrive and it's just filtering and diffusing through the craggy you know cascades yes, and mountains yes. on the east yes. or in the evening when i'm leaving and it's just you know the sun is starting to be yes. low on the west it just bounces off the grass or the dirt yes and it somehow captures some wavelength or some of the color that is on the ground and so it is a golden light it is a green yes. light i don't know yes. how to describe it but it really it's a light that slows out time. It mm -hmm. does. And um, 
it's a it's a multi-dimensional light or at least the ultra dimensional light it puts you in a different dimension because the moment that i'm driving back and i am approaching with all due respect everett or seattle i'm in a different time zone I'm yes in a different yes state. yes no i i and so i think the light is what makes yeah, it magic for yeah. me it the the air gives the air a different thickness or a different i don't know quality and so it's um that's for me that's my if you ask me in two years i don't know maybe i will have changed my idea but this is my first impression after only four months here okay well uh, i'm i'm gonna mark my calendar okay. two years from now i think we should get back together in the meantime stefano i want to thank you for taking the time to uh, uh do this podcast and uh i think our uh, our audience at uh uh meyer sign uh will really enjoy hearing it and uh Hopefully, y'all come out to the museum just as soon as you can. Stefano, thanks again. Thank you. It was a pleasure. This concludes another episode of Tales of the Magic Skagit. You can follow us on Facebook at Meyer Sign, as well as read our stories on our website, MeyerSign.com. Just click on Behind the Sign for all the good stuff. Thanks for listening, and keep the Skagit magic, y'all.